chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 37. 1135, we're doing great on time. Man, that's fantastic. Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 37 through 54. Everyone have a great Easter last week? It's fantastic, wasn't it? The house of God was full. We had, uh, what was it, 211? 211 folks here um, on property. We had five trust Christ as Savior, so that's a big day for us. And uh, the Lord continues to grow his church, and uh, we're excited just to be a part. And every month, I get a report of how many people have visited our church, and it's staggering. Um, it really is, the, the amount of people that are coming and uh, that, are, that are finding hope, that are finding life uh, in Jesus here at our church. And we, we want to we do it better, and we want to um, be better disciplers and, and really encourage you to grow in your faith. This isn't a church that you come to and punch a clock. Uh, we want this to be a church that you come to and you grow and you're pushed. And, and we do real life work. How many see a need for gospel ministry in our area? Anybody? Anybody see a need in our area? Instead of hearing all of the bad things, right, we should be equipping ourselves in the scriptures to go and do something about it. Like, that's what I'm talking about, man. I'm, I'm a three. If you, if you ever study the Enneagram, uh, the personalities, I su- highly suggest it. But I'm a three, so that means that I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do something. Let's, let's go get something done. So I definitely see and take ownership of what's going on in our communities, and I'm excited. Listen, I'm pumped about the future, about what we can do. Um, there's more people here today than there was a year ago. God's moving. God is developing a team of people, not for us to sit on our laurels, you know what I'm saying, but for us to go get busy and for us to do uh, the gospel work. Amen. So, uh, all that being said, this is going to be a rough message today. I'm just, I'm just warning you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put the, uh, the SOS out. We need help. Holy Spirit, please. Uh, we're going to pray. And um, I, I beg you, please ask uh, the Holy Spirit of God to work in your hearts today. It's going to be a tough message. It's going to be hard to receive it uh, in some ways. And I think you'll understand what I'm talking about after we read the passage. But if you're new here, we, we go through the Bible. So we started Luke as a book after we did Acts. And it's a two-volume series, but I just preached through the book. So what I'm preaching today is the next passage of Scripture. And um, I don't just pick a topic and say, here we go, we're going to preach on love today. And next week we're going to preach on forgiveness. And we just preach through the Bible. I find it very helpful. And we, we can really understand. And when we get to the end of Luke, we can look back and go, wow. I think I have a holistic view of, of what that gospel is trying to teach us. So this is the next chapter, next verse, but I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray in your heart as well uh, that God will do something in, in your life today. Father God, we love you. You're so gracious to us. You're such a good father, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that where I am weak today, you would strengthen me, strengthen my voice, help me to get through uh, this passage of Scripture and, and speak where you want me to speak and be silent where you want me to be silent, Father. Holy Spirit of God, work. We pray your power in our presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 37 through 54. And I read, look along with me. <clears throat> I apologize ahead of time for the coughing and things. I'm struggling with my voice today. How many have that spring cold? Anybody else? Have that spring cold? Man, right there. We're, we're with each other. Luke 11, verse 37. 
And, he, and as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. Now remember that Jesus has been in constant tension with the religious rulers. Have we seen that so far in Luke chapter 11? That, that, that Jesus has constantly dealt with tension with the scribes and Pharisees. The, the Bible will say lawyers, right? And what that means is a scribe or someone that is designated to know the law, the Mosaic law, the scriptural law that they are towing the line on as far as their Judaism, okay? So just to give context, one of the Pharisees asks Jesus, we'll say to dinner, okay, or to lunch. We don't say supper around here, do we? Who says supper? Anybody? A few of you. The two that are from West Virginia, (laughs) right? But mainly, (laughs) y'all coming over for supper. (laughs) Anyway. So dinner, lunch, you know, so they, let's do brunch. Okay, the Pharisees, you know, wanted Jesus to come over for brunch, and uh, it was a trap, right? They weren't going to invite him over because they were besties. You know, this wasn't a situation where it's like, let's have Jesus over. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be so great. You know, he just knows the Bible so well. No, no, no. They were in the position that they knew the Bible better. They wanted to entrap him, right? Uh, And so they're going to invite him over for dinner, right? So here we go. This is the story. Buckle up. Just saying. And when the Pharisees saw it, marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, it's going to be rough. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup? And the platter, but your inward part is full of raving and wickedness? Oh, son. I'm just going to keep reading, okay? (laughs) Ye fools! I mean, this is great. This is getting off to a great start, isn't it? Invite me over for dinner. I'll be like, yo, fool, did you wash this cup? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't make this stuff up. Did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things ye have. And behold, all things are clean unto you, but woe. And we're going to find six woes in this passage of Scripture. Three to the Pharisees and three to the scribes here at the tail end. But this is the beginning of the woes. But woe unto you, Pharisee, for ye tithe mint. And that's just what you think it is, a little plant. They would cut off this little bitty plant of their mint, he tithe off the mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to have left the other undone. Woe, there it is, unto you Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace or in the markets. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, for ye are as graves, which appeareth, which appear not, and the men that walk over them, we're going to dig into this, this is really good, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. Ooh. Then answered one of the lawyers, the scribes, the keepers of the law, and said unto him, Master, thus saying, thou reproachest us also. And he said, here it is again, say it with me. Whoa. Turn to your neighbor and say, whoa. That's right. Hold up. Whoa, whoa. 
Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens. Remember, they're keeping the law. They say this is what it means. So they're using their position to lay heavy burdens on. Uh, And ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchers, the graves, this is twice he's brought this up now, of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Oh my goodness gracious. Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them. And ye builded their sepulchers, their graves, their mausoleums. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundations of the world, may be required of this generation. Ooh. Follow here. From the blood of Abel, he's giving context. Remember, these guys knew the Bible like the back of their hand, the Old Testament. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perisheth between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Say the first word of 52 again. Woe unto you lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye enter not in yourselves, and and them that were entering in, ye hindered. Oof. Jesus isn't happy. I have a feeling he's not staying for the pork chop. Just kidding. Pork chop? See what I did there? And as he said these things unto them, (laughs) the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things. Verse 54. Laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might what? Accuse him. Oh my goodness. So, here it is. Here's the message today on the screen. There's six things that we're going to learn from the Pharisee interaction. And then there's going to be three woes at the end of where he dealt specifically with the scribes. All I would ask you to do is really open your heart this morning maybe even your mind a little bit, to to the motives. If anything, today is going to question your motives. If you say, hey, I'm good. I'm serving out of a good place. Great. And, And listen, I'm not speaking specifically to anyone here other than myself. You know, this challenged me. This brought me to the place where I'm going, okay, am I doing what I'm doing for the right reason? Remember, Jesus... He didn't break the law, and we'll get into this more. He fulfilled it. So Jesus, in doing what he was doing, at the very end of chapter 11, and we read a lot of verses, they were still trying to find something to what? Accuse him of. They were still trying to hook him on the line and say that he actually broke the law. But every time they tried, he was like, let me give you the real story. right?" So today, I want to expose the Pharisees' religion. I want to expose how they took a good thing. How how they took a a law that God gave. Do you understand, right? The Mosaic law, the promises of the Old Testament, God gave them, right? Yahweh, one God. They didn't believe in many gods. They believed in one, and they had a relationship with Him, 
but it became convoluted with all of their own doings. And if we're not careful, we're going to sit in 2019 in a church and we're going to do the same thing to the new covenant. We're going to take the new covenant, the new testament of his blood, all the sacrifices that were to show forgiveness of sins, we're going to take Jesus' sacrifice and be in a worse place by misrepresenting that. Remember we talked about he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself when we took of the Lord's cup on Good Friday. Listen, church, how many of you have seen people become guilty of misrepresenting Jesus and the church? Anybody seen that? Okay, lest we sit in a position of judgment for this whole message and attribute all these six points plus the last three woes to someone else and miss the own beam, our own beam in our eye, right? So let, let's be internal this morning. Let's not, let's not tag this message because it's a hard message to anyone else, but let's let it be discovery in our own hearts and in our own lives to just make sure that we're trying the spirits and that our motives are right with what we are doing. When we say simply Jesus, that's loaded. It's completely loaded. It's a lifestyle that we're living for him, right? So this is a gut check this morning. And I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to give it to you the way Jesus gave it to the Pharisees. I'm not trying to call you a Pharisee, but I think if we all were to put ourselves in the position of the Pharisee, we have things that are pharisaical in our lives. Yes or no? All right. So let's dive in. Here's a few statements to prepare and to posture us to, for this deep dive here. Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6. Do you agree? Yes or no? Good. I'm the way, the truth. Satan is the father of all lies, John 8, 44. We need this understanding before we deep dive. Before we talk about <laughs> our religion, and I don't like that word, and you'll discover that in a minute, but before we talk about why we do what we do and why we don't do what we do, we have to first call it what it is. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the lie. Okay? Plain and simple, if it's not right, it's the devil. Point number five in our creed is we know our what? Enemy. And our enemy is going to be all over this stuff over here, okay? So you have to understand that Jesus is the truth. Satan is the father of all lies. The father of. That means he'll birth a lie and let you what? Run with it. Religion is not ascending upward. It is our pride and arrogance that soothes our sin-cursed lives to continue on in our depraved state. Religion just means good works. And a, and a proper exegesis or study of scriptures shows the fact that we are not what? Good. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous. I think I might have gotten that backwards. 3.23, for all have sinned. And, that is right. And come short of the glory of God. Our righteousness, Isaiah says, is as filthy rags. Everything good, the Bible says, comes down from the Father of lights. When Jesus saved us with his reckless love, when he turned our lives around, when he planted our feet on a rock, when he pulled us out of the miry clay, when he pulled us out of our sinking sand and said, here's a firm foundation, I'm the chief cornerstone, build upon me. We find direction, we find purpose, but if we find ourselves claiming the good works that are happening, then we are finding ourselves in hypocrisy. 
We are finding ourselves on a slippery slope of religion, of good works. And and religion and good works only is something that is soothing your pride. This simply Jesus lifestyle is not something you can do. Philippians 1.6, Paul said, I beg that, that God would perform these works in my life. The things that hath begun in me, Paul said, I have confidence that Jesus is going to perform them. But the Pharisees, somewhere along the way, they started claiming responsibility for the good things that were happening. Religion is not ascending upward. You can't take your good works and make it into heaven. You can't. It doesn't work that way. If your system of beliefs has you living to earn, living to attain, it's going to have you living to go to hell. And that's what Jesus breaks down for the Pharisees. You have to understand that Jesus is the truth and Satan is the liar. And if Satan convinces you that you're good enough to get to heaven, we need to take a trip back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, when he looked at Eve and said, Hey, God doesn't want you to to eat of that fruit because you'll you'll be like what him and Eve just went I think it's good for food I'm gonna bake an apple pie (laughs) she might have been from West Virginia no I'm kidding (laughs) I'm just gonna bake me a nice here apple pie and everything like that and Adam was like no you know it didn't quite go that way but You get the point. Satan tried to sell her a bill of goods, and she was That's why I think Eve was a blonde. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Because she was like like hook, line, and sinker on the fact that it was good for food. And he was like, this will make you like a god. And Satan was like, darn it. I'm such a good liar. I needed to, like, tone that way down. (laughs) Like, whoa. Anyway, he should have just said, hey, man, you want to bake a pie? He'd have been like, yeah, you want a piece? (laughs) Would have been that easy. Anyway, so you get the point. I know I'm a hot mess, but we have to go. We have we have to go back to the first statement that that Satan makes to to Eve and then to Adam. And the point is, is that he's a liar. So he's going to show you redemption. And he's okay if you get a little Holy Spirit filling in the pews and you got a little life change going on, right? And this is a beautiful thing and I'm finding Christ. Satan's just set, setting back a little bit and he's going, uh-huh, go ahead, let's let a few more good things happen. And then he throws one little temptation your way. One little temptation and then you fall for it. And then you have guilt. And then you have fear and he's like, just right where I want them. And then maybe the first time you turn to Jesus and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm confessing my sin, I'm getting it right. Only you can perform this through me and I need your strength, I need your wisdom. And you're building that relationship, but somewhere along the line, he sends you another temptation and says, I like the way you handled that. I like the way you overcame that. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, that was a great sermon, Pastor. That was really good the way you articulated the scriptures and brought out that point. Yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? Man. Yeah. Yeah, if I wasn't here, this place probably wouldn't probably wouldn't continue the same way. Leave that lie, Pastor. This is God's church. And he can get anybody out there that can exegete the scriptures and rely on Jesus to do his work, not my work. Not my will, but thine be done. We believe these subtle lies that he feeds in, but he feeds in on good things. And that's called religion, good works. 
as soon as something that takes humility to do is being facilitated by pride, you crossed over. You crossed over in pharisaical territory. Whoa. So here's the other few things here. Satan introduces you to a form of godliness that will require you to keep track of and insist that you are different from the person that you were in the past. Satan, some some of you maybe didn't track with that, he introduces you to a form of godliness that will require you to keep track of. We're going to dig more into this, but the Pharisees were very meticulous about keeping track, keeping score. If, things, if, if you're worried about things that Jesus isn't worried about, maybe you're in non-resourceful land. Religion sends people to hell. I'm going to be straight with you this morning. Good works? Religion? What? No, that keeps people from hell. No, no, no. Quite the contrary. Religion is a system that gets people wrapped up in keeping score and they miss the point of a savior. Jesus looks down and says, I did what I did because that system is going to fail you. Why are you believing in something that's going to keep you from me? Be careful because religion sends people to hell. These men, how many would say that at the end of Jesus' altercation, how many would say that they were on their way to heaven or on their way to hell? Huh? Hell. They didn't believe in him. Jesus is the what? Uh, the truth, right? <laughs> He's the truth. So to deny the truth is to accept the what? The lie. I mean, we started with that, right? No, they're good people. They're not going to hell. Is that what the Bible says? No. How many of you have told a lie? Okay, then you're a bad person. No, but I covered it up with all the good things. I told the truth twice as much as I told the lies. <laughs> It's not how it works. I don't know where that voice came from. (laughs) That's not how it works. If you tell a lie, you are guilty of that lie. You have now sinned. And above that, Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world? Adam. And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So you may think that you're a good person, and that's okay, but... Realize that if you were born into this world from a man and a woman, you were born into this world a what? A sinner. That's why, aha, Jesus had to be born of a what? A virgin. Boom. Mic drop. So that his bloodline was not one of corruption. He he was the second Adam. The second chance for someone to live perfect. And he did it. So lest we forget, we're sinners. Our good works are not something that can compensate for our bad deeds. That's not justification. So let's deep dive into the religion of the Pharisees and the scribes. Six things. What motivated them? This is what we're talking about this morning. Stay with me. And if we have to break this into next week, I'm not. It's okay. We, we will. Because next week, the plan for next week is to reverse the cycle. We're going to see in the very next passage of Scripture, Jesus is going to lay it out there for them to repent. And and we'll deal with that. But this week, we're going to talk about the woes. And if I have to finish it up next week, I will. But stay with me here. This is their perspective, what motivated them. Okay, look at verse 38. Luke 11, just keep your Bibles open there. Luke 11, 38. And when the Pharisees saw it, He marveled that he 
had not first washed before dinner. Here's the first thing. You see it up there? What's it say, number one? The the show. Verse 38, they marveled that he had not washed before dinner. Matthew 15, 2. Why do, you, why do thy disciples transgress? Here's what Matthew 15, 2 says. Why do thy disciples, this is the Pharisees telling Jesus, transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Matthew dealt with it this way. And he said in his gospel that the Pharisees would go to Jesus and say, Why do your disciples not honor the tradition of the elders? This washing of hands was purely ceremonial and was not a matter of hygiene. This was not a moral issue. When he came in, they were talking about the show. There was an elaborate ceremonial washing that the Pharisees participated in before their meal. So when they invited Jesus in, they were waiting. <laughs> let's see if he does it. You see, they would have pulled it back, right? Oh, let's see here. Pull my robe back there. <clears throat> Come here, help me with this. <laughs> It was this big, elaborate show of being washed and being made clean to partake in this meal. And Jesus walks in and goes, hey, yo, squirt me some hand sand. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Bring on the food. And they're like, oh, did you see what he did? (laughs) Write it down. Scribe, (laughs) write it down. They're good at that. They were, I mean, the audacity. That someone who knows the law, remember Jesus at 12 was seated in the synagogues teaching the scribes and Pharisees. Now he's begun his earthly ministry. He's got a, less than a year left. My man is like 33 years old. You got what I'm saying? He's got a track record of teaching the teachers. He understood fully. And what they said in Matthew on all those things that Jesus did is, why do you let your disciples run around here and forget the traditions of the elders? They were worried about the, the what? The show. Say it with me. The show. Turn to your neighbor and say the show. That's right. Chances are your perspective is off if you're worried about the show. I'm just, this, this, isn't, this is just an illustration, right? Praying in front of the church. This is something that we could find, that we could get off here. Oh, do you mind if I pray, Pastor? I'm sure. Oh, our Father, blessed be the name of Jehovah. I'm, then list 30 names of Jesus and God. Oh, I pray that these people would find... You know what I mean? I think that at some point we would be like, all right, that's a what? That's a show. And I'm not trying to condemn those or whatever, but that's an area that we could easily err in because we would say, look, when we come... To the throne of grace, we're coming humbly. Oh my goodness. Our Father, that puts me in a position of His child. When my child comes to me, it's not, Father, fetch me. I'd be like, I'm going to show you something on your backside. You talk to me like that again. Real quick. Because there's no show between me and my daughter. She knows I love her, and I know she loves me. And when she comes to me with a request, there's no show in it. She gets right to it. Daddy, can I please have? (laughs) It's total, I mean, the pride's out the window. So we would look at that and we would say, the motives are wrong. 
You understand what I'm saying? They said, how dare you sit and eat with us without performing this elaborate ceremonial washing of your hands? And Jesus is like, yo, have you been here? Hand sand kills 99.9% of germs. This is way more effective than what you're doing. And they're like, well, I'm like, dude, you just passed that bowl around to all your Pharisee buddies. How clean is this really? How, how clean are your hands for this dinner that we're about to eat? And Jesus goes at him. Look at verse 39. Jesus, this is crazy. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward parts is full of ravening and wickedness. Jesus says, I'm going to take you one step further. You're worried about this elaborate show and you're worried about number two, turn to your neighbor and say, the shine. You're worried about the shine. Not only do you want people to see your participation in things that are spiritual, but you want to ignore the cup, the part that really what? Jesus is saying, if I went to your cupboard and opened that thing up, the sparkle would kill me, and so would the bug inside that cup. Because you're polishing every day the outward of the cup, and you forget the important part that will actually pass the dirtiness along. Oh, that just cut, didn't it? Why would we ever be worried about our outside to the level of that we are our inside? You see, when we take a cup, my wife could have easily squirt Dawn dish soap along the whole outside of this to-go cup and filled it up with coffee and said, here you go. And y'all wouldn't even know. I'd be up here like (laughs) fighting it back the whole time trying to not act like there's something wrong. But the truth of the matter is nobody would know what's on the inside of the cup. And Jesus is like, you're so caught up in the ceremonial, in the show, and in the shine Your cups on the inside, your heart is wicked. You couldn't transmit a a healthy uh, scriptural point of view if you wanted to. You're so caught up of what people think about you, just the basis of that says you got a dirty cup. Excuse me. The shine. This was a perfect illustration for the dinner party. Jesus said, you clean the outside. You keep on. Let me bring this into 2019. Watch this. Social media. I I am like blown away at the level of like, (laughs) as soon as there's a problem, we're going to take to the social. I got to make sure to project. I got to make sure that I'm putting on the shine. Keep the show up. Keep the shine on. It blows my mind. I just want to like, I want to be like a gigabyte. Does that make sense? I want to like be this little gigabyte running and just pulling down all their posts, like all of them. Just, I'm this little virus, this little gigabyte that runs through the bandwidth and pulls, it gets in their phone and pulls down all their posts. And every time they try to tweet another one or post another one or gram another one, I'm like, the only gram you need is a gram cracker. Stop putting that stuff down. Go in your prayer closet. Get your Bible. Get on your knees. Stop projecting and worry about your soul. Forget social. How about some soul care? Get it off the gram. Forget about Facebook. If the Pharisees knew about Facebook, 
Oh my goodness, they would own stock in the company. Am I telling the truth? They'd be like, this is perfect. I will posture every one of my followers to be perfect. This is the shine in the show, baby. Man, I lo- I'm going to take this scripture out of context. Send it. this one over to there. I'm going to at them. And as a pastor, I'm like, it's exhausting. It is, it's got to be exhausting keeping up the show and keeping up the shine. It's tiring. I'm looking at it like, and this is why, I, I mean, I'm trying to do social. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, pastor, your church would grow more if you would just tweet every now and then. I'm like, look, I got enough to worry about and say grace over in my own four walls of my house, let alone everything I got to deal with outside of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not into that. I'm, maybe one day I'll get there. I'm just not there right now. Because when I have a problem and when I have an issue, I don't want everybody to know about it. I just want to go to God and say, help, work, make this thing right. And then we'll get to the outside of the cup. Because I'm a pastor and I have to pour into people. And if I'm pouring into people from a dirty place, you're going to know it. That's what I see here in this passage. Y'all just calm down with the, the tweeting and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want you to share Bethlehem's post, and I want you to be a light, and, and a sh- and, right? All those things. But I just feel like it's so easy to be pharisaical on there. So easy. The show, the shine. Turn to your neighbor and say, shh. That was like half of you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, shh. I'm trying to keep them all SHs, right? Look at verse number 40. Look at verse number 40. Ye fools, oh my Lord Jesus. Literally, my Lord Jesus. He goes, y'all fools. Why? Look at it. We're only going to get through probably three of these. But ye, ye fools, did not he that made that which, make, that which is without, or the outside, make that which is what? Within also. And here's his, here's his plea for, for uh, genuine religion. Okay? Let's <laughs> use that word. Here's his plea for, what's the word I'm looking for? Here's his plea for being, just, we'll just say genuine. Look at the next verse. But rather give what? Alms of such things as ye have. And behold, all things are clean unto you. An alm is something given in secret. If you've never practiced almsgiving, it's very rewarding. Something that you give that they absolutely have no clue that it was you who did it. So, so that's like the attack, right? Jesus says, you're all about the show. You're all about the shine. How about you do something on the down low? Shh. Don't tell them. Just do it. That's the first thing that's going to tell you that you're on the path of healing. That you're on the path of doing something the way it should be done. When was the last time we just did something that nobody else knew about? And the Pharisees are like, it's a wrap, yo. Circle the wagons. Shut it down. I ain't ain't all about this guy. Whatever he's got going on, whatever he's selling, I ain't buying it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it. Because they thrived off of the showmanship and off of the sheen of what they did. Would you like that semi-gloss or satin? (laughs) Because I can perform this a hundred different ways. Listen, it isn't our liturgy. It isn't the way that we posture ourselves to to attract others. It's what we're doing for people that they don't even know about. 
It's literally letting the Holy Spirit of God do the work of the Holy Spirit. It's letting that faith travel and letting the Word of God perform the work and not the speaker. You know, you, you see about 5% of what a pastor's job is, and that's this. You have another 166 hours in the week that, that I have to do other duties, right? And so those are the things that I'm praying most about to stay grounded in. Do something on the low. They couldn't handle that. Isn't that an interesting thing that Jesus pulls up? Look at number four. Verse number 42. Look at verse number 42. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done, but not to leave the other undone. Listen, church. Shareholders. Listen, it's not essential, but we are so worried about it. The things that they tithed off of, listen to this, were not commanded. The tithes in the Old Testament were not specifically about those herbs. Remember the traditions of the fathers that they were keeping to? These disciples, excuse me, these Pharisees, Not only were they ceremonially washing their hands and doing things that were above and beyond the extracurricular, here's the problem. Jesus says, you're a shareholder in things that don't matter. Stay with me. It's all good. I love kids, man. Come on. We want them here. It's all right. You can stay focused. Look at me. Are you a shareholder in things that do not matter? Hey, hey, Pharisee, why don't you go do something for somebody that doesn't know anything about the fact that it was you who did it? And why don't you see, where's all your spiritual stock at? Well, I've tithed off of my mint and my rue. <laughs> Let's put that in 2019. Every raise, I get my income tax and I tithe off of that. Anyone who gives me a gift, I go on Amazon and I Google how much that gift costs. Those shoes cost $40. I'm giving $4 in the plate. Those are all good things. Tithing, giving a tenth of. But watch this. what What did he say in the text? But you're forgetting the love of God. You blew past 500 commandments and added 501 and you're doing 501 and you forgot the first commandment that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Why don't we take stock? Why don't we have share in the love of God? Why don't we have share in loving your neighbor? Oh, you love God? Then if you love God, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself? This is the greatest thing. On these two things hinge all the law and the prophets. In the New Testament, Jesus came and he goes, you're all about the show, you're all about the shine. Go do something that nobody knows about. Why? And I know and I'm going to tell you why you won't do it because you're a shareholder in things that don't really matter. You're adding commandments to the end, the very end of the law and you're forgetting the first one. How many of us, if we took stock in the love of God, would have a bank account full? (sighs) How many of us, if we were to give an account right now, stand before God, Jesus comes back, splits the eastern sky and said, Bethlehem Church, I want your pastor standing right here, give an account for them. Give an account for that member. And if I had to look at you and say, they don't really love people. 
but they tithe off of the mint and the rue. They don't miss a week, but they wouldn't go out of their way to greet anybody. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You'll add your own religious work to something that doesn't even matter, and you're going to forget to love me first? And if you loved me, God, you would be loving your neighbor. You don't... This, this is not something that you're into. You're about the show. You're about the shine. When was the last time you did something for somebody and they didn't even know about it? At some point, our spiritual shareholder will show. Everything that you've done, you'll give an account. And if it's wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to burn up. Only what's done for Christ will last. Who have you discipled? Who have you shared the love of God with? It's time we go back to the most important, the priorities of loving God and loving people. The tithe will work itself out. If you love God and love people the way you're supposed to love them, he's going to get your wallet. He's going to get it. We should be giving. But we shouldn't put that in front of loving God and loving people. Look at verse 42. We'll end with that. But woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe off of the mint and the rue and all manner of herbs and pass judgment over the love of God. Oh, are we going to pass judgment over? Are we going to forget to do the most important? Are you hung up in all the secondary issues this morning? Do we care more about what we're wearing to church than who we're bringing with us? Just saying. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's going to take us two weeks to get through this.